You're listening to Talking Taiwan with your host, Felicia Lin. Jane Wang is a self-actualization coach based in Taipei, Taiwan. She spoke candidly with me about the challenges she's faced in her journey to become a coach, which involved dealing with imposter syndrome and bouts of depression. She's channeled these personal experiences into creating her Multicultural Heroes Journey program. We also talked about the field of coaching, what coaching is, and how it differs from counseling and psychotherapy. I interviewed Jane back in July of this year. We've spoken since then, and Jane is ever-evolving. It'll be interesting to see what future developments we hear from her. Welcome to the podcast, Jane. Thanks for having me. So I'm wondering if you can start by telling me about yourself, your upbringing and connection to Taiwan. Sure. So uh, in terms of my connection to Taiwan, I was born in here, uh, where I am right now, um, in Taipei. And then I grew up all over the U.S., but I did spend ninth grade in Taiwan and then one year in my young professional life. And then I ended up spending 10 years here uh, in my 30s on what I now call my roots journey. And I am a third culture kid, <laughs> and I'm currently a self-actualization coach for multicultural people. Jane, I think you're the first person that I've heard use the term third culture kid, and I didn't really know what it was until I heard it from you. I'm curious to know, um, how has that shaped your identity and your sense of purpose in this world? Sure. So I actually hadn't heard the term myself until I had to give a talk on it in my 30s when I was a cross-cultural consultant at the community center in Taipei. So I guess what I now think of how it shaped me is in retrospect. So I grew up moving around in the U.S. a lot. And with third culture kids, a hallmark of their experiences, you know, in their childhood moving cultural environments. And so I think looking back, there was a constant sense of not belonging (laughs) and something was kind of off. Like, why wasn't I able to even be a typical Asian American. I didn't fit in into a lot of the places that I moved to, especially um, in my middle childhood in in New York State and various parts of New York State. So I think that was something that kind of dogged me (laughs) throughout my young life and made me seek um, belonging in various ways. For me, it was, you know, diving to Christianity and then out of it and then moving a lot in my 20s as well, seeming to constantly be looking for that one place that I could finally be at, you know, where I would belong. So that is something um, I think for third culture kids is a theme, you know, constantly looking for home. Um, And I think in terms of sense of purpose, it's what led me to now do coaching that helps people find home among worlds within themselves, like finding a home within ourselves, because there really isn't one place you know, out there or one group of people per se, right, that we necessarily um, will find home forever with. Um, if we're lucky, yeah, that's great. But I think it comes from uh, finding home within first. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of uh, how it has shaped me. What was your career path like up to the point that you decided that you wanted to become a coach? It was actually um, quite erratic. Um, I would say, well, I was 
doing marketing and business development um, for international markets for about five to seven years or so um, after graduate school. And before that, you know, I studied sociology in college and I was a Christian when I was in college, but I didn't pursue academia and I also didn't become a missionary, didn't continue. So for a long time in my um, young adult life, I was pretty lost in career direction wise. And I think when I went into business, it was with more of a curiosity and more of like a you know, this is something really different from what I thought I would do. <laughs> I need to learn about it. But it wasn't um, necessarily what I felt like what I was actually good at per se, you know. And so I think it was just, um, I think there's a, a lostness sometimes that people who study social science and humanities can have if they don't pursue the pure academic route. But I think that that is that people that have that interest uh, end up having an ability, like they need to go on this journey in order to find what it is that they can do to empower people. That's kind of how I see it now. <laughs> the lostness um, is meant to give us some important life lessons, help us to be able to channel that at some point um, in the way that we feel is uh, important. So what was it that made you realize that you wanted to be a coach? Was there something that you experienced in your personal life? Um, some An example of somebody else, um, some, something that you read, some source of inspiration? Like, what was it that made you decide that you wanted to become a coach? Yeah, good question. Um, I think I first encountered a coach in graduate school. And I first knew, oh, there was even such a profession. Um, I really looked up to her. She um, was mentoring and coaching uh, young women, right? Um, and then I just felt that it just felt like a felt like a connection because I think even in college, I remember I just really wanted to one day be able to empower people. And I've always had this, I think. You know, if you ask my friends, this penchant for um, telling my friends like the the awesomeness that I see in them, you know, the potential that I see in them, and I think that's something I've had since I was a teenager. I just I've always wanted to free people from and myself from a lot of the restrictions that society places on us or our internal restrictions, right? But I didn't necessarily know how to do that for myself yet. So I had to go on a whole journey. Um, after the financial crisis, I did start to think about all the different kinds of things I could do. And coaching was one of them. And, uh, and I ended up when I came back to Taiwan in the early years, I started volunteer counseling at this community center here. Uh, I almost pursued a path more in therapy and counseling. Uh, I almost, you know, went on a flight to study um, at the teacher's college at Columbia. And then I, three weeks before my flight, I decided not to do it. After deciding not to go to Columbia and study uh, counseling psychology, some friends pointed out to me that you could actually study coaching, that there were people in Taiwan who were actually studying coaching um, remotely. And it was called the International Coach Academy. And so I looked into it and joined because I just felt at that point, I was really starting to look at what I really felt was meaningful. And I think I've always, like I said, wanted to empower people because I often felt like we 
restrict ourselves so much. And I knew I needed to grow in myself, within myself to be able to do that and to first empower myself and go through that journey. So I kind of, uh, that's kind of how it all started. So that was 2012 to 2014. Yeah, when I studied coaching, but that was just the beginning of the journey. I'm curious, what was it that stopped you from going to Columbia? Was there something that you said to yourself, this doesn't seem right? Or what happened? Yeah, um, it was actually a major identity crisis <laughs> that I went through because on the one hand, I had always been you know, in institutions, like either for school, right, or mm-hmm. working in a company. And so when I thought about doing this new career path, the first thing I thought of was to get a master's degree, right, at a, at a reputable institution, right? And But this would have been my second master's degree, and it was very, very expensive, Um and, and I also wrestled with the whole getting a, a license, right, where you have to, with counseling, it's very territorial, right? So you have to get a license locally in the place that you practice. And as a third culture kid, it was always very difficult to think about settling in one place. The fact that I even stayed in Taiwan this long was, would have terrified me. In, you know, in the early years, right? It was more so something that happened rather than something I planned. So I think I really wrestled with kind of where I wanted to be and whether I want to invest this much money. Like, what about if I was in debt and, you know, would I be able to earn it back and all these things. And so I think ultimately, um, I really went back and forth. Ultimately, I decided not to go because I finally realized that what I really wanted was to heal myself. That's what I really needed. And, and then I, I wanted to empower people. And this was not the only way to do so. And so, yeah, I, I just, um, I was already volunteer counseling, like I said, and I was actually learning a lot and growing a lot in that process. And um, I just decided, you know what, there's a way to heal myself. I'm already in Taiwan. I am in the place of my roots. You know, I can heal myself directly when I'm in Taiwan with my parents who are also here right? And my whole extended family. So I think there was this kind of roots aspect drawing me um, in Taiwan to be like, you know what, you can actually do this healing right here, right now. Yeah, that makes sense. I suppose um, doing the counseling and then uh, going to the coaching program, that would also help you to work on your own personal development and healing. For my listeners who are not that familiar with what coaching is, can you talk a little bit about how it's different from therapy? Because as you mentioned, you're plan- thinking about going into a master's of, uh, for counseling and all that. So how is it different than therapy or social work or psychotherapy even? Yeah, sure. So you know what? First, I want to say there is a lot of overlap in the sense that all these professions are meant to help people become whole, uh, to heal, to become their best selves. But it's just that they might predominantly uh, work on different parts of the journey, um, different phases of a person's journey. So for counseling predominantly, right, and there's a lot of overlap, like I said, but predominantly counseling is looking at helping people um, who are, you know, the dysfunctions, the dysfunctional aspects or the really crisis aspects, right? And helping them to uh, become functional, right? And then coaching is meant to help you go from functional to extraordinary. And so if there's something that you really, you know, like a dream that you've wanted to achieve, like some, some sort of way you want to achieve a breakthrough in your life, right? And 
because counseling and, and psychotherapy work with more of the kind of dysfunctional and and sometimes very dangerous crisis aspects, not always, but because they kind of work with very vulnerable, you know, the vo- very vulnerable uh, phases of that journey, then that's why it's guarded by so many uh, laws, right? And uh, restrictions around, you know, privacy. Every, okay, first of all, I want to say both of it is very private, but there's a lot of kind of more within counseling. There's more um, how do you deal with like when somebody is suicidal? How do you do with, you know, reporting crimes? You know, those kinds of things. Like there's a little bit more of, of um, the crisis aspects that are guarding this relationship. And also for a counselor and um, their patient or client, like they're not, you know, when they're in public, they should not socialize together or even, you know, there's a lot of rules regarding that as well. Whereas coaching is um, a much, it's, it's definitely newer. Counseling has obviously been around for a longer time. Um, but coaching is more because you're dealing with functional people. You're working with functional people. They're, they're, they're fine in their lives. They're, they're, you know, and it's just that they want to go the, the next phase, right? So there's, um, there's less of that kind of the law needing to protect um, as much, uh, and the client themselves are empowered enough to make those decisions about the right coach for them, and to go that that breakthrough route. And it's more results oriented, I would say, with coaching. So the reason people sign up for coaching uh, is because they trust that this coach can help them get the results in their lives that they want. Great. Can you talk a little bit about your experience with coaching in terms of being someone who has been coached? You mentioned that when you're in college, there was a, the, the first coach that you met there. That's what introduced you to this uh, field of coaching in the first place. Oh, yeah. I met her in grad school and it was more, I didn't, wasn't coached by her I was just I had met her she was oh "Oh," you know like so I wasn't coached by her yet but um let me think my first experience of coaching um was probably oh I remember yeah it was right around when I was studying at the International Coach Academy I also hired my first coach you know he was a um what he called he does deep coaching so he also does sort of like the being um, helping you to his whole philosophy was like, you know, if you can notice how you are being and showing up, right, that transforms uh, the results that you get in your life. So it was there were some aspects that were akin to to healing and therapy, you know, but I think coaching and, and what I do in my work is also there are some aspects that are overlaps as well. I think it was just, let me think, like it was, um, coaching is very much based on powerful questions and powerful listening, right? So it's very much being asked questions that make you really think about, oh, sometimes the question alone can be very empowering. I'll give you an example, a recent example. So I was recently coached and and my coach gave me this awesome question of like, what would you do if you were whole? Like say I was trying to figure out how to um, make a decision about something, right? Or how to approach a certain challenge. And so she would ask me like, if you were whole, what would you do? So it's sometimes a coach might ask you, like, if you say, I don't know, like, I don't know. And maybe the coach would ask you, well, what if you did, if you did know, how would you approach this? Right. And so I think it just, the coach asks questions um, that help you to get to the core of who you are, the part of you that is wise and knows and, and loves 
right? And I think coaching, because you are working with people who are um, plenty functional and doing well, right? So you are actually appealing to their core wisdom and their uh, higher selves. Like you are, you are speaking to their inner knowing and affirming that and reinforcing that. So for me, that was what was very empowering about coaching and still is, right? Because you are treated like a whole empowered adult, <laughs> right? Um, and it's a partnership between the, the client and the coach because we know you have the powers within you. You know that you have the answers for your life and the coach just helps you to discover that. So what do you think someone should look for if they're going to be selecting a coach to work with? Hmm. I would say it's the same as when you select a counselor or anyone that you're willing to to work with. It's just um, a, a resonance that you feel comfortable with this person. You trust this person and you feel like this person has the qualifications that they can actually help you. And the, when I say qualifications, it, it doesn't necessarily mean, you know, um, some sort of accreditation. It's more just from your conversation, from what you know of this coach, you have seen that they are able to guide and coach people toward the results that you want. So it's more intuitive choosing. Right. And I wanted to touch back on something you said about the difference between counseling and coaching. If somebody is going through something that perhaps some trauma or some deeper issues, like there are probably some situations that someone should not be looking for a coach to help them with. Would you say that would be the case? Or do Absolutely. You want to elaborate on that? Yeah. Absolutely. Like pretty much every coach I know, you know, and including me will have um, some sort of agreement in the beginning of the coaching process that makes sure the client knows that if they are uh, approaching something that needs you know, deeper work and counseling, like some sort of deeper trauma that they will seek out a counselor, right? Or yeah, a therapist. Um, and I think absolutely there are, I think there's different ways that a counselor and a coach would approach the same thing. So for example, there's certain traumas that it's so deep and, and so terrifying to go into, right? That you can't do it alone. And you really do need the support of a therapist and counselor to do that work of healing, right? Um, or just deeper exploration, because it's just very complex. Um, and with coaching, you also deal with like wounds from the past, because a lot of, you know, what blocks us to become extraordinary or to live our you know potential is also the same wounds. But it's just that those wounds maybe are something that you're able to work with on your own. And once you can find that empowered self, like I mentioned, right? Um, once you can kind of connect that. And so I think a good coach helps you in whatever area of your life, right? Um, I think coaches can specialize in lots of areas of your life. It could be like, you know, parenting or, you know, exercise or you know, career, right? Um, for me, it happens to be, you know, self-actualization, right? But um, I think in any area of your life, I think a coach will also work with those things that block you, but it's just that maybe they are less, maybe the, the aspect that they work with is is at a, a level that you can work with on your own with the coach, right? And if there's something that's like super deep and traumatic, then that part of it, you, you do need to work with a counselor for. So I do think it can be complementary and it can happen at 
you know, coaching counseling can happen sometimes simultaneously. Like I've, I have clients who, who work simultaneously with the counselor um, or at different phases of their journey. Yeah. Right. So would you say the distinction is more or less like someone who is basically functional, like the things that are blocking them or any traumas or past wounds or things are not things that are interrupting them in their daily life functionally. Those people that if they want to get results or go further should be working with a coach. But if you're not able to function because of certain things you're dealing with, maybe that's when you should be seeking the help of a counselor. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And it's also not just, if that's just one distinction, right. But functional people can also go seek counseling, right. Like I said, right. Um, For the deeper wounds, if they're ready to go there, you know, and then functionally fine in your life, you're just going about your business and you just want to do some inner work, right. You have the option of doing counseling or coaching. It's up to you, like whatever helps you to to get to where you want to be when something is interrupting deeply in your life. And it's just, like you're going through a deep depression or you're going through, you know, something that has just has stopped you mm-hmm. and something very serious, then yeah, I think counseling is a better option. It's an only option. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, it's not, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so aside from going through the international coaching program, how did you start preparing yourself to become a coach? I mean, within the academy itself, um, we do a lot of practice coaching, right? But for me, the big challenge was actually to start my practice uh, because it's one thing to be able to do peer coaching within the safe environment of your program, right? Um, but it's another thing to go out there and publicly say, I'm a coach and I can help you reach this kind of result that you're looking right. for and get charged and like get paid for it and charge people for it, right? I think it's those two aspects, the public identity of it and also the charging people aspect of it that really was a huge challenge for me. <laughs> and why was it a challenge? Yeah. Um, so I think that was where it has to do with you know how much you trust yourself and how much you are ready and trust that you can actually help people. And I think that you know, at that juncture of my life, when I attempted to do that, that was actually when I I crashed (laughs) into into depression myself. Um, Because I think I felt I think it was the worst, maybe one way to put it is a a very severe case of imposter syndrome, where I just felt like I had been um, working up to this moment of Mm -hmm. finally being able to do coaching professionally. Like had, by that point, I had been kind of outside of an institution, right? After I, after I didn't go to Columbia, right? I was just kind of freelancing and outside of an institution off this beaten track and people didn't know what the heck I was doing, <laughs> you know, with my life and all this stuff. And I was saying I was going to be a coach and all this stuff and it had been years. And, and I think it just built up to a point where I was like, oh, you know, when I tried to write my website, I just felt um, like a failure. Like I, I couldn't say that I was married with two kids, you know, I couldn't say that I, I just felt like I couldn't present the public image that I was successful because I had certain notions of what success was. And I and I felt at that point that I didn't I was a failure because I didn't meet those things. And then I started to really heavily judge myself and fall into the spiral of like, well, you know, then I, what am I? And what was this all about? And, you know, and it just started to become this, um, this kind of crisis point in my life. Um, and then I tried to escape back into uh, doing marketing business development or tried to go to the US, 
you know, because I was in Taiwan, I thought maybe Taiwan is the problem and all this stuff. And none of it worked. And I, I think normally I was very resourceful, right? I would find some workshop or book or coach or somebody to help me. But I think I had just reached a point in my life where uh, I just kind of had to, looking back, I had to go through that really dark period because nothing else really worked. I think that was the point in my life where I had to just experience the loss of all those notions of success on the outside, the external validation that I saw on my life, <laughs> you know, and that's actually what I talk about in my coaching program, um, the multicultural heroes journey. I mean, it's a hero's journey because at a point in the hero's journey, you go through this abyss period, which I call the dragon's chamber, right? Mm -hmm. It's kind of like that last battle, you know, you know, like Harry Potter, you know, the last battle with the dragon, you know, the mm -hmm. video games, right? You know, the, the, you know, any climax of a movie where you're just kind of that last final battle where you it is a battle of life or death and it is really challenging the core of who you are everything that you thought you knew gets turned upside down and you have to figure out like how to survive it right and what do you need to learn in order to graduate from that dark place and so for me i think it was precisely to recognize that i am not my external you know these images of success that i had held on to to the point where when I didn't reach them, I collapsed, right? Because I had equated my own worth with all those external images, including marriage, children, you know, as a woman, right? Including, you know, what kind of career I needed to have at a certain point in my life, um, all those things. And I had equated my worth with that. And it was almost like um, life's way of teaching me to love myself, even without all those external validations, like, am I worth it living? Am I worth it as a human being if I didn't um, have those things? <laughs> right. right. And dealing with your self-judgment. Yeah. 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 I was terrified um, in my 20s and early 30s. Like, I was terrified of being this, like, you know, unmarried woman and, you know, after a certain age and just not having, you know, I was just terrified of a certain kind of person that I, I was scared of. And it, a lot of it was definitely from my childhood, right. Of, mm. of not fitting in and um, of having this kind of what we call like shadow sides, right. Like these parts of ourselves that we are really ashamed of and, and deny. Right. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And so I had to embrace all of those. And now for a short break. Talking Taiwan is the longest running Taiwan related podcast, and we are dedicated to bringing you stories connected to Taiwan and Taiwan's global community. Help us to grow and continue producing engaging content by making a contribution on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash talking Taiwan. So how did you quote unquote get out of it? You know, I actually went through I think a total of three bouts um, during that period of, of very deep depression. And it was a combination of medication. I do think medication has a role. I, I used to reject it. And, mm -hmm. and I think that's actually why um, I struggled, you know, for like over three mm -hmm. bouts. Um, it was a combination of like, of, of sometimes your brain chemistry changes after too long, then you need medication, right. To come to a functional place. Um but the other really important factor was, uh, like I said, just um, I think having having the support of like mentors around me that um, mm 
mm-hmm. and, and just my family, my parents, my poor parents, you know, <laughs> just people and friends who just were, um, were there for me. I, I honestly feel like I can relate to people who are homeless because if I, I was not functioning and if I didn't have somebody I could go to, like my parents or, you know, just people who could even like give me food and shelter, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, I just no, don't know what I would have done. You know, I was kind of a zombie for a long time mm-hmm. while I was in that state. And so there's that. There's just the maintenance, the sus- just the, wow. the actual being taken care of, you know. Mm-hmm. And then I think it was um, the last bout, I mean, I had mentors along the way, right? But the last bout that I had, um, one of my mentors, you know, said to me, you know, when you come out of this, you will help a lot of people. And I think just that word, when, I think she used Chinese, but you know, that kind of yeah, concept yeah. of like, you know, that there is a when I come out of it, and that there is a meaning to what I went through, that is, it isn't just all hopeless. And because I was, I had, I basically leveled my life. You know, I was the zombie for like this period of my life and I was so ashamed and I just thought there was no future and I might as well die, you know, and I just, I couldn't see a way out of it. But when she said that, and it was, a, it was definitely, there was a combination of things I was reading. And just when I realized that there was a, a way that, that there, even as deep as I had gone, because I'd never, ever gone in such a long period, just this wasteland of my life, you know, mm-hmm. that even then there was hope and that even then there was a way I could help people somehow out of this. I think that that was what propelled me to kind of start to come out of it. It was a series of like, you know, making choices to, I went to finally went to this TCK conference I had been meaning to go to, you know, but was going to skip because I was depressed, you know, mm-hmm. and um, I went there and then just it was a series of things that I think, you know, the universe life was like speaking to me and uh, helping me to get out of it. So, and to, to see the, the meaning of it all. It's good to know that you had so much support. Did you go through any formal counseling or anything where you just had the support of mentors, friends and family around you that helped you get through this? Great question. Um, I tried to go to therapy. This one counselor that, um, you know, I had seen for years before that. Mm-hmm. And then she just said to me, the fear part of you has taken over. So I can't mm-hmm. help you. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, I think she assessed that I was, I was not actually going to end my life maybe, you know, mm-hmm. um, and she, I remember she did speak with my father um, about it. Um, yeah. But I think I was just at a place. And so everyone's at a different place. You know, I think you can be at various levels of depression. I think I was just right. at a very serious level, but not mm-hmm. enough, not, you know, where I was mm-hmm. actually, I was suicidal at various points, but just, I think at that moment, she just said to me that my fear part had taken over. So meaning I wasn't going to be able to, you have to be at, even for therapy, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you have to be at a place where you can, you can converse and actually take in and process, (laughs) right? (laughs) I think I was even below that function. (laughs) Oh, wow. So yeah, it was um, for a period. Yeah, it was just the fear part had taken over. Yeah. So meaning she couldn't even access the part of me that, you know, she couldn't talk to me. Like I couldn't, right. And so I think it was. um, I don't know. When I heard that, that sounds really mm -hmm. disheartening. So then how did you Mm -hmm. get to a point where you could speak to somebody? 
like I said, I think it was a combination of medication, mm-hmm. right? Um, the right amount of medication mm-hmm. to get to a functional place where you can right. actually, your brain chemistry, you can right. actually a- access okay. your basic will and agency. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there, it was um, just like family and mentors and friends and um, the books that I was reading, you know, that helped. Mm-hmm. Um, what yeah, did you to- learn about yourself going through these depressions? Oh, <laughs> that's so probably a really huge question. <laughs> I just I mean, realized that's a huge one. Probably. I mean, that's why I have like a whole eight part course. <laughs> and I think like 10 plus hours of video and like text, you know, just kind wow. of, you know, that's actually why, you know, cause I don't think these are easy questions. Um, like how do you love yourself? Right. I mean, if you ask yeah. in a nutshell, what I learned yeah. is how to love myself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was how to love myself. And, but it was something that um, I had struggled with, you know, how to be mm-hmm. myself, how to be, how to, right. how to, how to access my core and live uh-huh. from my core. Right. right? And I, I think that was something and, and to let go of all these kinds of judgments that I had about what, what success was and what I needed to be. And I remember, you know, when I had freshly come out of it and was already living a pretty full life, you know, a few months after, I remember reminding myself at various points, like, Jane, you are no more with all of this. And this meaning like whatever glitter or status or whatever I had at the time, you know, I had gotten a job, like, you know, all those things like the status. ironically, yeah, ironically, I had the life that I used to want before depression, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had to remind myself that this is Jane, you are no more with all of this glitter right and you are no less without it and that was this one of the Mm -hmm. central lessons that I had to Mm -hmm. learn Mm -hmm. Um, and it was a very deep lesson to truly understand that you are no more with all this external stuff and you are also no less without it because I was without it for so long right Right. and so um yeah in a nutshell I think that was something that um that honestly yeah it would still, if I forgot that lesson at any point, and if I ever tied my 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 self worth right to anything external that can go away, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, this could happen again, right? right. If you forget your right. lesson, you know. Right. But that to me is my core lesson, and that's actually that's what I, I I yeah, it's what I teach and coach about in my in my coaching. Which I'm what I'm very passionate about because I feel like our internal turmoils, the way that we um, the way that we torment ourselves, yeah, oftentimes is related to external things. Um, whether it's condi- conditioning from other people or, you know, just there's just a lot of ways that we absorb from our different cultural environments. That's why I work with multicultural people because it's it's even more complex when you grow up or are, are sort of bombarded with like different cultural messages. And it, it is not necessarily even national cultures, right? Not necessarily the East West thing, but it can be um, corporate versus, you know, <laughs> like corporate cultures or, you know, various mm-hmm. kinds of ways mm-hmm. that we have. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Just been taught that we need to be a certain way and we feel bad about ourselves when we're not. And sometimes yeah, that feeling that, bad can be to the point of failure, you know, to, to feel like we're failures and to, it can cause a lot of uh, health problems, right? Where we feel like um, we don't even want to really exist. We're just kind of going about the motions or, you know, there's just a lot of different ways that yeah, human that beings torture ourselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that's a great lesson that um, we should know what our value is, regardless of what external manifestations or things that we have to show for it or not. We we have some intrinsic value. Yeah, and I think that is a something that I think I believed as a young adult, right? And I've always believed, but it's also a different matter to actually truly love it. I try to say truly live it and truly yes, you embody it, it right? <laughs> Because it's like, oh, you know, when things, when a bunch of multiple things, you know, in your life, like just crash, you know, can you really believe that? That's that's yeah. the real challenge. How do you keep yourself in check now? Um, do you, meaning that um, to recognize if you are slipping into depression or going to that state, like, do you have, do you realize whether or not you have certain triggers or mm-hmm. how do you manage it? Yeah. So that I mentioned that question, right, of like, of, of really knowing my worth is beyond whatever external things that happen, mm-hmm. right? And I think that is a key part of it. So to be very honest, um, so that was uh, three plus years ago at this point, yeah, three and a half years ago or so that I came out of the, the last bout, right? Yeah, I have not been anywhere near that kind of depression precisely because of that knowing that they of holding on to the lessons that I've learned right of, of like my own worth and so even with this coaching for example you know just being able to step back and be like you know even if I um, am not a coach one day like professionally right that's okay too Right. I, I guess what I'm saying is like to not tie myself with any one thing that I put out publicly. Right. right? So um, I think I used to do that. So non-attachment. Yeah. 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 I think it's just, um, I think maybe the lesson sunk so deep that, you know, mm-hmm. I remind myself of that in, in my yeah. own way every, every day. Mm-hmm. Um, so for yeah. people listening, um, I think an important question is how they can identify if they're going through depression or if they see someone they know going through depression, how can they identify that and what should they do? Ooh, that's a, that's a, um, I'm going to refer, hopefully maybe in the show notes, Felicia, I can send you some, sure. um, yes, th- 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 that kind links, of, yeah, those resources. Are, yeah. Cause I'm not a, I'm not a therapist. Um, and I feel like, um, People who have professionally uh, have, have like a list of ways to to check if you are depressed. So I don't work with people who are right. in depression right now. Right. Like I said, right? right. Like I, yeah. Right. So meaning I, I, I can't really comment on that. I can only, and also there's so many different kinds of depression, right? Yeah. <laughs> there's yeah. people who live, who are actually very functional who live with depression, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that you would never know. I was not one of those people. Like when I, when I got into mm-hmm. depression, it was very clear to everyone because <laughs> I, I suddenly couldn't function very well. Right. So, and my energy has always been very transparent. <laughs> I'm, I'm one of those people, like, even when I think I'm hiding things, I'm not actually hiding them very well, <laughs> my emotions. Right. So, right. I'm, I, but there are people who hide things very well, mm-hmm. uh, even from themselves. Right. So there's just all kinds of ways sure. that depression can manifest. So I cannot comment on how, how it might be with other people, but I think generally speaking, right. I think depression um, makes you lose motivation. That's definitely one way, right. It makes you lose motivation to, um, from a core part of your soul. 
right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but I think it can manifest in a lot of ways. <laughs> some people sleep right. too much, some people sleep not enough, like there's just, yeah. Um, but there is definitely like a, a kind of like, I don't want to be here. Like, I don't want to, there's definitely this message of like hopelessness, right? Mm-hmm. That kind of starts mm-hmm. to sink in. And some, mm-hmm. yeah, some people can function fine and, and feel that within. And some people just cannot. And I think that's right. just different manifestations. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about your coaching program? I feel once you've went through all this and you learn how to love yourself and you're able to have all this personal healing and understanding, then you're able to develop this coaching program, the Multicultural Heroes Journey. Can you talk about how you came up with that coaching program? Sure. So it was actually just so after I came out of my last bout of depression, I actually had to rebuild my cash flow, right? Um, and and kind of relive my life. So I, I actually did go back to marketing business development. And then last year, um, during the lockdowns, right? Um, just about a year ago, I was actually going to do coaching on the side. I didn't yet believe that I could make a living as I am now doing coaching, right? And um, I was in San Francisco, and which typically is an expensive place. So for a while, I was job searching. And then finally, when I realized that I could maybe do something with this more full time, let's just try it because right now I have the time and, you know, the job search, you know, is drying up, right, with all the changes. So I just sat down and um, I was part of an entrepreneur program where they were challenging us um, to come up with something that was a livable income, right? And so when I sat down, I just thought, oh, maybe I can design a course or something, right? Well, what if I just sat down and put down everything that I thought was important right, in my own journey um, and see what happens with that? And that's actually what I did. I literally spent, I think, one morning outlining my what ended up being my course. <laughs> I think I just sat down and just focused and I was like, okay, this is the outline. And then I... Um, started to promote it for the first time, you know, on, on my own page, on my own Facebook. And um, so basically put it out there. And then I think I just, I just did a pilot program. So meaning uh, I just invited some people to do this course with me live, or I should say, as I developed it into an actual course. So I chose 10 people who, Basically, I would deliver these videos to them and the text, you know, which is now my course. Um, I just would record it and um, put it on a course platform. And then, uh, yeah, so I just kind of like did it that way. And just over the, so the outline was over the, uh, one morning and then, I had to, and then I made it like a, you know, a document describing it and, you know, putting it out there and all the stuff. And then, and then the actual doing, um, creating the videos was over the course of a couple months you know, and then I got their feedback and their testimonials. I actually wanted to know whether these things that I had learned, um, would they transform other people? You know, like I knew it it was transformative for me, but I didn't fully know what impact it would Mm -hmm. have on other people. And I chose a diversity of people. And um, yeah, I think I got more clear on the kinds of people and and the kind, you know, the people that would respond most to this um, Mm -hmm. and, and their feedback and, um, Mm -hmm. And then I gained more confidence that way. And then I ended up, that went from there. 
So what would you say is the type of person or client you would be able to serve best through this program? Yeah, um, I think three things. Um, I think somebody who is who does identify as like multicultural has had different cultural experiences in their lives because that is one part of one unique part of my program because I can understand that because I also have, Oh yeah. I forgot to mention. (laughs) I also was an intercultural trainer for many years. Um, This was during my freelance period, right. After the marketing business development. So um, I bring that cultural intelligence piece into our work um, with identity. Right. Um, And then I think also it's for people who are at a juncture in their lives where they're ready to really move into their fully who they are, their full potential, right? Um, I think sometimes people can have different kinds of goals, like, oh, maybe they want to advance in their current job or current career, you know, things like that. They want to advance in, like I mentioned, um, you know, their love life or whatever, you know, but for me, the kinds of people I work with is they recognize that, um, they're at a point where they're ready to kind of move beyond what society has been telling them uh, they need to be like. So they, maybe they have been living a very on the outward outside, very successful life even, you know, or at least it looks fine. Right. But they're ready to, they they feel unfulfilled in some way. Right. And they're ready to really uh, live their true best selves. So I think that is the key. Um, I think last thing I would say is usually there are people who really ultimately want to empower other people. And it's not, that's not the case for everyone. You know, I think we all have different callings and um, a lot of people just really just want to be secure in their lives. And, um, you know, I don't think that that is something to really want to empower others um, is a drive that some people have, like a calling that some people have you know, and I, and especially at certain phases of their lives. And I think that the people who are most suited for my program and for, for self-actualization coaching, I think is people for whom that really resonates um, because they know that they need to empower themselves first, right. To empower other people. They need to find their core. They need to find home among worlds and live from that place in order to fully be able to not just follow society's strictures, right. Cause this is what you're supposed to do and just do that, you know, but really to live like from the heart, from the soul, from, you know, just a very um, aligned way. And I think that is, that's what this is for. What advice would you have for someone who's interested in becoming a coach? I would say there's a combination of, it really depends on the person. um, But I think really doing the inner work and maybe for some people seeking out a coach academy is helpful, right? Like if you've already done so much work on yourself that you're ready to, you know, start your practice, right? And you're just on fire. You're ready to go, go do it. You know, I think that's great. Right. Um, But you know, if, if like me, you're still new to what coaching is and you kind of know that you want to explore this path of empowering people, um, then I think seeking out, um, some sort of coach academy that suits you. There's actually a lot of them out there, right? Um, mine was the International Coach Academy. Or, you know, I'm not affiliated with them beyond just having gone through the program, but you're welcome to check it out. Um, but I think that actually did help me a lot to understand what coaching is and to, to really to practice it, right? And to have like, some vision about, you know, how, how, to, 
how to work with people because it is a very, even though you are not a counselor and you're not, you know, dealing with people at their most vulnerable, right? But you are, you know, it, it is a very important, um, I, how do I say, like, I think for any counselor or coach, it is very important to get clear on your own lens. So you're not projecting your own uh, issues onto other people. You know what I mean? You're not, you're not projecting your own biases onto the people you're working with so that you can present as clear of a, a lens and a, as clear of a heart um, into the relationship so that you can most empower that person's wisdom, right? Not your, your own, you know, only, right? But like you can empower that person's wisdom and listen to them clearly and to help empower them. Well, that's a great point. You just answered my next question, which is what you think it takes to be a good coach. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a lot of different kinds of um, coaches out there, like I mentioned, there's in any kind of field. And so the other thing I would say is that um, it's like with me, like as long as you have reached a point in your life where you can, um, you have certain kinds of results that you think you can help other people with. Not everyone is interested in self-actualization itself or is at that point like some people you know are parenting coaches or career coaches whatever right as long as you're at a point where you have have had enough deep experience with with an issue that a lot that people do need help with right that you have a way of helping i think then it becomes a matter of how do you help them how do you design something and some 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 uh engagement that you can help them and then it's a matter of like going out there and, and sharing your story and, and finding the people, you know. Right. You and help. I think you're an example of that. Sounds like that's what happened to you. You took all of your experiences and things that you learned to go through your multicultural journey and put that into a coaching program. And now you're helping people who can benefit from all those things that you've learned and the tools that you've uh, used to help yourself in your journey. And now you're helping others with that. <laughs> yeah, I'm very grateful for this. Great. Well, thank you so much for sharing all this. Well, I do uh, want to say something about yes. Taiwan because this is, um, I mean, this is this is talking Taiwan, right? Yes. And so I do, I do encourage people to, um, especially multicultural people, right, um, that may have not grown up in their ancestral cultures. Um, I do encourage people to connect more with their ancestral cultures and their parents, right? And, and anything that has to do with your roots. Um, I think for me, that has been a big part of my journey, right? To connect with my roots and with Taiwan. Because I think one thing I will say is that it's popular to love Taiwan. You know, it's it's popular to... Because Taiwan's kind of an underdog, right? And you know, it's it's a lovely place. <laughs> it's, it's it's a very easily, it's it's, it's easy place to love from afar. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the thing. I think that one thing I've noticed, even within myself, is that we can, when we grow up in the states um, or outside of Taiwan, wherever, whatever you know, country outside of Taiwan that you may have grown up in. Um, but especially the U.S. because Taiwan has a special relationship with the U.S., right? It puts the U.S. on this pedestal. And you know, a lot of people think, oh, if you can just live in the U.S. or work in the U.S., you are actually more elite <laughs> than if you were in Taiwan, <laughs> right? And I just think there is this sort of like cultural superiority that we place 
almost, you know, I think Taiwanese people often place the U.S. on a, as almost like culturally superior, right? And so I, I just think it's good to be aware of that, the way we might actually, you know, as much as we say we love Taiwan, that we actually put, you know, deep down, we, we put Taiwan as inferior in some way that we wouldn't even consider living here for a long period of time or, you know what I mean? Like there's, there's ways that we actually um, place Taiwan in an inferior status. And I think that is actually key to our own journey <laughs> to recognize that as people who love Taiwan, you know? Yeah, that's a very um, important, yeah. interesting point because I'm sure that would affect the psyche of people there. If this inferiority affects their personal your sense of self, right? Mm -hmm. And your life choices, right? You know, where do we actually do? How much of our ancestral culture do we really understand? Because when we grow up, I know that it took me such a, like many years to shed, to even see this. <laughs> because when we grow up in the States, we're just inculcated with so many American notions of like, even just how we communicate or how we, you know, how we, how to live life, you know, just so many ways. That it actually, that's why it's actually part of my program as well, the cultural intelligence piece, right? Because there's just so many ways that we have been trained that we don't even realize. That's just how we operate. And that's why we, we don't even, it's sort of like a subconscious thing that we, you know, a lot of people think, oh, I'll just, I'll just, um, you know, it's more successful to live in the U.S. Oh, that's or to a live whole in other or New York City. You know, that's a whole like other that. conversation, yeah. cultural bias and how we evaluate mm -hmm, different yeah. cultures. Mm -hmm. That could be a subject yeah. of a whole other <laughs> podcast episode. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, but yeah, I just wanted to say like, you know, thanks for, thanks for doing this podcast, Talking Taiwan. And I think there's so many deeper ways we can appreciate Taiwan beyond, you know, the popular ways <laughs> on the surface. Mm -hmm. I really want to thank you, Jane, for taking the time out of your schedule and being so open about your journey and, um, what you've been through, we hope that it inspires or informs some other people who may be struggling or who maybe they'll learn something from this podcast, like about coaching and what it's all about. Yeah. Thank you so much, Felicia, for having me on and, and uh, giving me the space to share. I've been speaking with Jane Wang, a self-actualization coach based in Taipei, Taiwan. If you enjoyed this episode, go on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review there. It helps others to discover Talking Taiwan. Tell a friend about us or subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform. To learn more about any of the items mentioned in this episode, visit our website, TalkingTaiwan.com. There will list any related links. Thank you for listening to another episode of Talking Taiwan. I'm your host, Felicia Lin. Talking Taiwan is brought to you by Forumosa.com.